what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to... This is What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music-focused show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our thematic submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you while our fascinating fun features fluster, flummox, fulfill, and uh, thrill you. And, uh, <clears throat> and usually this would be the time when I'd introduce some hodgepodge of half-baked ideas, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forego that this time because uh, according to... A uh, sophisticated threat assessment model that I've developed. The show stands a very high probability of being derailed by my tangential meandering anyway. So I'm not going to do it here. I'm just going to pass the buck, as it were, the puck, the buck, over to my co Oh, I, I have to introduce myself, though. I am Professor P. Soup, uh, international rock legend, radiant savant, amateur wildlife photographer, and uh, a uh, minor contributor to a certain program called Birds of a Feather. And I'm passing this over to the showrunner and the uh, the queen of the Nile, basically. Uh, Christina, introduce yourself, dear. So, I, as you all know by now, am the vocalist for the dark alt-rock band Ascent. And when there is nobody else around, turn your lamp down low. Tell me now, what shall I do? I want to be your play toy. I want to keep you satisfied. Closer, baby. Come closer. I've lost all fear. I need you so badly. One more thing. I'll do anything. Wow. I, that's an actual, that's recorded artwork there, right? (laughs) Because I didn't recognize any of it. Who is it? It's Stevie Wonder. No way. Yeah. Oh, boy, I'm asleep at the switch here tonight if I don't know Stevie. Well, I mean, I picked some probably uh, (laughs) fruit that wasn't quite as low-hanging, but this is from his... Entire body of work. Um, so it took a slightly um, sultry turn. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But hey, he can do that. Uh, I'm uh, a little off my game because I saw a, a really traumatic sight a couple nights ago. Uh, something about when I see a guitar without a head, that just kind of, you know, un- oh. unhinges me. It's just, <laughs> I mean, I would almost rather... Everything was going great until this guy brings out this fucking guitar with no head. I'm like, why? Why is why that? Why would you do that? Why would you do this to me? You know, I pay, I'm pay. i paying you in good faith, you know, <laughs> and you're going to make me see that. I would rather the guitar player have no head than the, the instrument itself, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's about as attractive, you know. <laughs> so uh, It does uh, look strange. I'll try to recover. I'll it does recover. look strange. Yeah. So... By the time this airs, I will be back from tour. Yeah! So, now that I'm back, and I'm trying to come off my my tour high, what might you recommend I do to come back to reality, to bring myself back down to earth, to get my feet firmly planted on the ground again from pretend stardom? <laughs> <laughs> any any advice from you, my dear friend? Um, well, whack-a-mole, I think, will be ooh, essential. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. They have whack-a-moles at Chuck E. Cheese. So pizza and some whack-a-mole. Yeah, and, and the, the shrieking of uh, lots of children. Okay, is there anywhere I can get a whack-a-mole without the shrieking? Um, it, it isn't as effective. It isn't. You okay, need the I need the yeah. shrieking. Okay. Anything else? Just whack-a-mole? Uh, I mean, that's great. I mean, very, very well played. Uh, well... Beethoven, 
Tuna fish sandwiches. Uh, I don't know. Okay, yeah. okay. Tuna fish sandwiches and Beethoven and whack-a-mole. Yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you. If anyone else has any timely and sage advice to provide me now that I'm back and my feet need to come come back uh, in contact with the ground, let me know because I am an open book. Yeah, you see, the reason I have nothing to offer about what to do after tours is I've never been on a damn tour or performed live myself, my own music, except for once in a senior trailer park. Nice. And once at uh, open mic night in a basement. You know, We're going to remedy that this yeah. year. So, um, you know, I don't have a lot of experience. And it wasn't that hard to bounce back from that. <laughs> you, you were able to bounce just back? just kind of was went it, home, went to sleep, you know. It wasn't whack-a-mole for you? Yeah, it wasn't whack-a-mole. I uh, wasn't on the road, so I didn't need to do any uh, coping mechanisms. Okay, but I so, like that. Uh, sorry, I have nothing else to offer. But. That's great. Hey, I, I feel good. Whack-a-mole, tuna, Beethoven. Yeah. Got you. All right. Well, it is now time for Bird Banter. And when we have bird banter, we talk about something. This is, as you mentioned, it was brilliant. What did you call bird banter? We're I, talking about it earlier, and you said it is blah blah blah. Well, it's winging it light. It really is. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think this is where uh, winging was actually born. Um, really, was here. We cut our winging at teeth here, mm. and when we were asked by the higher ups at uh, Fusion Music Radio uh, to have another show. Uh, for whatever reason, it came. Uh, we didn't call it bird banter because David came up with a brilliant name, winging it. And uh, so then that was born. But we do a little light here just to kind of get the show started, to get it off on the right foot, to talk about things that are either very, very interesting or completely meaningless. I'm not sure. Um, and it's a toss up. So we'll see what you think this time. Songs that you may not know are about death. Nice. So these are story songs, right? Or at least songs that have a story. And this particular one is about a girl named Lola. She was a showgirl. Hmm. So Copacabana by Barry Manilow is one of such uh, one of these such songs. So so in the song, Lola, the showgirl, works at a New York nightclub, Copacabana, along with her bartender friend Tony. One night. A customer, Rico, who wore a diamond, mm-hmm. gets a little grabby, prompting a fight between him and Tony, which quickly, which quickly turns bloody. But Rico went a bit too far. Tony sailed across the bar, and then the punches flew, and chairs were smashed in two. There was blood in a single gunshot, but just who, who shot, shot who? who? Exactly. Well played. <laughs> so uh, the crazily bleak yet glibly. Uh, humorous final verse reveals that Tony was shot and is now 30 years later and Lola is a washed up drunk haunting the nightclub still in the dress she used to wear faded feathers in her hair the song was adapted into a successful stage musical and has lengthy runs in both the US and UK but that song is about death god I hope it show up the hell it doesn't end like that it's a <laughs> That's a bummer, you know. <laughs> That's a real downer yeah, of yeah. a of a show. But are you surprised? I mean, I know you've you like Barry. I know you've heard this song about a million times, as has most have most people. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, and I'm uh, quite familiar with his uh, first five albums, anyway. And um, I really like his stuff. The song I knew it was about. I knew uh, first somebody gets it. Yeah, and then you find out it's Tony, and uh, should have been Rico, but it was Tony. So. Um, the Rico with the diamond. Sorry, nothing against you for having diamonds, <laughs> but uh, you're being being an asswipe, and uh, Tony's uh, Tony's got the right. So, 
yes, a tragic song. Uh, I knew it was about death, though, uh, because it's in the lyric. But uh, one, because of the buoyant nature of it. Yes. Because it's it sounds like a, a party song. It does. You could easily miss the message. That's right. Uh, and you're just singing along, but you're not, along. you're not putting the, the pieces together. Yeah, I mean, faded feathers in her hair. She drinks herself half blind. She's lost her youth and her Tony, and she's lost her mind. Holy shit! Does it get any darker than that? And she's haunting. Yeah. I mean, people don't people don't seem to get it. But I thought it'd be interesting because now people will hear that song and go, "Holy shit, that's kind of a dark song." Yeah. <laughs> so, also, you may be familiar with this one in the ghetto. Oh yeah, Elvis Presley. So, legendary songwriter and performer Mac Davis, who I actually really love, yeah, wrote yeah. this 1969 comeback hit for Elvis. And uh, this is obviously a very sobering subject. And it's about a poor little baby child who grows to be an angry young man faced out on the street with a gun in his hand. The lyrics also astutely allude to the cyclical nature of poverty and crime with the line, And his mama cries. Another little baby child is born in the ghetto. There it is. Appearing near the beginning and the end of the song, along with the chilling final lines. As her young man dies on a cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. Oh, no, I did a spoiler. I didn't even mean to. You did. (laughs) Whoops. But, of course, I know the song well, and I... uh, Remember that uh, there, that was a period of time when uh, Elvis had a residency in Las Vegas for a while, mm-hmm. and he—they didn't want him to do that downer of a song. It's, I guess he didn't have. Uh, w- wonder what they would have thought of Copacabana, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> please don't sing Copacabana. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not an Elvis tune. Yeah. No, so but they—they uh, they didn't want him to do it. And he's like, no, I want that song in there. You know, it's a great uh, song. Yeah, it's a great song. But you know, I mean, it—it it definitely speaks to you know the you know violence and. Potentially, depending on how you're going with it, could be gang violence, could just be, you know, street violence, could be just, uh, you know, uh, untamed anger. So it could go a lot of different ways, but it is a very sad song. Yeah, the the young man definitely dies at the end, no question. There's no question, absolutely. So the next one, I'm not sure you know or not, and if you do, maybe other people don't, Maxwell's Silver Hammer by The Beatles. And since we're already talking about weird, dark songs, um, let's go ahead and talk about this little teeny gem from Paul McCartney, who, of course, as we know, may be the greatest songsmith of all time. I agree that he is. Um, So this is about a guy who just can't seem to stop murdering people with a hammer. Damn, I hate it when that happens. Maxwell Edison. It does a pretty, um, (laughs) it does seem like a pretty fun hobby. Not. Even after he is caught, Rose and Valerie screaming from the gallery say he must go free. Psycho fangirls. The judge does not agree. It's like the fucking Manson family. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The judge does not agree, and he tells them so. But as the words are leaving his lips, a noise comes from behind. Bang, bang, Maxwell's silver hammer. Came down upon upon his head. Bang, bang, Maxwell's silver hammer made sure that he was dead. Now, this is a big suspension of disbelief that Maxwell Edison, who's in in court and and being uh, charged with murder, actually gets an opportunity to kill the judge in the trial. (laughs) There it is. There it is. I mean, of course, there's just a hammer right there. They let him have a hammer in court. Uh, I guess it would be the people's exhibit, though. I, I imagine. But, I mean, what what the fuck is up with these bailiffs, though? I'm they not should, sure. They should be all over his ass. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But uh, it's a definitely a twisted, dark little tale, and you got to kind of, you know, groove on it for that, you know. 
Absolutely. Especially coming from McCartney. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it's that dance hall, vaudeville, cheese thing, but it's so creepy, too. It you know? really is. But the bang, bang, you know, it doesn't yeah. sound, again, it doesn't sound dark, but it is. Now, some of the other songs that we'll talk about here in a moment are a little darker, and you feel that. But these have that whole... You know, you well, the in the ghetto is not exactly one yeah. of them, but the other two, you, yes, you say, others, Oh, yeah. these are kind of bright and yeah. bubbly and they seem okay. And you find out that there is a dark and twisted uh, uh, underbelly. They're kind of feel good songs, they are about people dying. So, <laughs> right yeah. on, hey. <laughs> okay, so this next song may not come as a shock that it's about death, but I want to go a little bit deeper. So, My Immortal by Evanescence. So, this song chronicles the pain felt even after a loved one dies when their spirit won't leave you alone, to the point of making you wish it was gone. Saying, your face it haunts me, my once pleasant dreams, your voice chased it away, all the insanity in me. All the sanity, sorry. Fuck. Haunting lyrics like, your face it haunts me, my once pleasant dreams... Your voice it chased away, all the sanity in me, are sad because the memory of a loved one should be enjoyable. But in this song, they are tormenting. That's uh, definitely a different approach from Maxwell Silverhammer. Yeah. <laughs> this one's a little more straightforward. Just, a little uh, more, yeah, like he's, I believe the word you used was sobering. That yes, seems fitting. Yeah. Sobering seems good, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, very, and, you know, the whole song is a study in, like, like torture it really is about like torment and you just feel that she's I, just I feel like, that in every Evanescence song I've ever heard before oh my god <laughs> we should probably cut that because no one will like you after they hear that you don't like Evanescence I, I meant the uh, the successful conveyance of the tortured spirit uh, oh 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 I not, see not that it was torture for me I, I wouldn't subject myself to it but if I did I probably wouldn't uh, call it that Got you. This one is one that is not well known, and it breaks my heart um, because it's one of my favorite songs about death, and it is Empty Garden by Elton John. Um, so obviously, Elton John writes tons of highly emotional songs. We know that. I mean, the Princess Diana song, all that stuff, right, that he, well, he repurposed it. Um, in this ballad, he sings in memory of his late friend and fellow singer, John Lennon, lyrics like, and I've been knocking most of the day. Oh, and I've been calling. Oh, hey, hey, Johnny, can't you come out? Can't you come out to play? Listeners get a feel for the deep sadness of realizing a friend won't be around to make memories with anymore. Well, it's it's an amazing partnership they have there anyway. I'm a big Elton John fan, of course, uh, that Bernie Taupin could write songs that would mean so much. Now, I don't actually know whether or not Bernie Taupin was close to John Lennon. But we know Elton John was. Oh, yeah. They recorded together. They performed together. I mean, they were just, they were tight. And um, so the song is very beautiful, very poignant. And he wrote it perfectly to express, I'm sure, what the way Elton John would, what he would like to have said. Because he doesn't write much in the way of lyrics, hardly ever. No, I don't think so but, either. Uh, just the Diana thing, I think he did that. But that was all, you know. Yeah. Just a little, little tweaking of Bernie's words. That's correct. But um, if, if one didn't know anything about anything and didn't hear the news and didn't know about John Lennon, then you, it would just sound like a regular song, but a very power, but a very uh, moving one. Yeah. But I think everybody knows it's because uh, it doesn't spell out death all that clear in the lyrics. Right. But everybody knows what it's about, and that John Lennon was like murdered on the street in New York City. 
Right. Uh, so it's very emotional that way. Beautiful song, though. Yeah. And I think that even though Bernie may not have been friends directly with John Lennon, that was another one of those Elvis, you know, shot heard around the world things. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just it broke everybody. So I think um, I just totally hit the mic. <laughs> Makes it real. Keeping Sorry. it real. So I think, you know, I think he felt the loss maybe on behalf of Elton John or on behalf of the world, you know, who mourned the loss of John Lennon. But he captured it so beautifully. And then the the beautiful melodies and delivery by Elton John just absolutely destroy me. It remains one of my favorite Elton John songs. And a lot of people don't know it. I've introduced that to so many people who'd never heard that song. Wow. Yeah. And I think, oh, my God, you've never heard this song. And they're like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I'm Young like, Things yeah. and Tender, because uh, it was really big around that time. Well, you you got your finger on the pulse. You know? Well, hey. But, I mean, it was big around that time. But it's not something that can continues to get a lot of airplay. It was unfortunate. It's which true. Which is unfortunate. I mean, you'd figure it would pop up at least around, you know, the anniversary of John Lennon's death. But I have that, literally heard it twice ever on the radio, wow. just come up on the radio wow. twice. And I went, oh, this should be on the radio more, but it's not. So I just go to Spotify and listen to it whenever I want to, as many times as I want to, and sing it at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and this was easily the best. There were at least three uh, songs written about John Lennon that pop that come to mind, and this was easily the best oh, one. So I mean, beautiful. so much better than I Am Sorry, uh, Freddie Mercury was such a genius, but... Life is real, just isn't a really good song. I mean, it's 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 the week, let's it's about the weakest thing he's ever written. Yeah. Uh, maybe it meant a lot to him, and uh, I'm sure it did. George Harrison's um, all those years ago. Mm. I mean, but obviously Elton and Bernie knocked this completely oh, out of the park. My that God. was the one. I mean, as lovers of John Lennon, that pretty much all of us are. I certainly absolutely am. Uh, pound for pound. I'd have to say he might be my favorite songwriter because of the stuff he did with the Beatles was just so extraordinary. But. Um, yeah, it uh, great song though, and uh, it that one would be easier to miss the meaning of if you didn't know anything about it. That's true because it doesn't talk about people dying like the other songs do. But even you know, bef- when I first heard the song, I didn't know it was about John Lennon. Oh. But there's something about you know he's talking about the the gardener and he's talking about how it could have been a good gardener and I've been knocking most of the day. Can't you come out to play? There's a sense of loss. Yeah. Something is obviously very wrong. You know, right, Johnny's missing. It's palpable and yeah. it's it's stirring. And then I remember when I found out it was about John Lennon, I just totally kills me now every yeah. time I hear it. But it's just one of those songs. And again, Bernie Toppin is is probably one of my favorite lyricists ever. Right. And I think he's probably most people's favorite lyricist. He's just brilliant. Absolutely. And if you have not heard Empty Garden, please go listen to it. Do yourself a favor. Speaking of favors, I I when I listen to this song, this is just one of those songs again that brings me a sense of calm until I remember what it's about, and then it makes me sad, which is Fire and Rain by James Taylor. Oh, my goodness. So uh, this song obviously touches on the suicide of a friend, along with the singer's own struggles with drugs and fame. In it, he says, I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I'd see you again. Okay. You want to make me cry, put this song on. I could totally cry. Just this song just... This is uh, one of those songs. It's so beautiful, but it's so gut-wrenching. It is. You can just feel the pain, 
And then that loss. But I always thought that I'd see you again. I can't even. This is just, it's one of those songs now, about death. I didn't know it was about uh, like a suicide or anything like that. I thought it was about somebody who died in a plane crash because of the line, sweet dreams and flying machines and pieces on the ground. Uh, no? No. Hmm. I think that, I think some of those... I know it was a real story that of somebody that it wasn't just an imagination. It was somebody he knows that died. I just don't know who it was. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously the only person who could really tell us is James Taylor. But I do think that, you know, all those like flying machines and th- some some of those those images, I think, are about heaven and are about the next place and are about, you know, whatever it is. And people choose to express it in different ways. That's that was always my take on it. Uh, but I could be wrong. But that is one of those songs that I don't know that people know that it's about death. I think people assume that it's about love, like it's a love story, mm-hmm. right? And somebody they loved is gone or whatever, not dead, but maybe left them or they're broken up. Right. And it's not that song. The, I've always known it was about death, and that's always why it's uh, that's why it's always choked me up. It's brutal. <sighs> Absolutely brutal, beautiful brutality. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Beautiful brutality. I'm sure James Taylor would be thrilled to hear it described thus, but that's yes. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is. It's just. It's just. It's one of the most beautiful things, but also the one of the most heartbreaking. Um, so just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Bam. I can't. Oh God, we're gonna need to take a break to open a song <laughs> with a line like that. Jeez. So I have one more. And while we're already weepy. Oh no! <laughs> one more. That is "Keep Me in Your Heart." By Warren Zevon. How do I not know this one? That's, uh, oh my that's God. amazing. While uh, suffering from a cancer diagnosis, which would eventually take his life. Right, right. He penned the lyrics for this song as a last goodbye to his friends and family. Singing, shadows are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. Warren Zevon is so fantastic. This is one of those artists that I never did understand why, me personally... I had one of their albums or two and cherished them and thought they were the greatest things ever and didn't dig into the rest of the catalog, which, of course, I, I can now. But um, I had uh, Excitable Boy, of course. It's oh. a classic. I mean, Nighttime in the Switching Yard kicks ass. Come on. Uh, just a great record, and um, that was it. And I know he wrote some hits for other people, like Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me uh, yes. for Linda Ronstadt, or, well, himself, too. But, uh, damn, um I uh, have never heard that one song though you're talking about though. Mm. I knew he I knew he was dying. I didn't know what he wrote about it though. Well, we're going to do that whooshing and we're going to come back after David's heard oh, this song. Whoosh. Whoosh. All right, whoosh. We are back. Whoosh. Now David has heard Keep Me in Your Heart. You want to know what I thought? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, uh I had never heard that uh that song, but it's not that I've heard that side of Warren Zevon because he was really like one of those songwriters, like I think Randy Newman comes to mind, mm. who would write these like offbeat songs, you know, and Randy, we got short people and whatnot mm-hmm. and everything, and you know, it's money that I love and stuff like that. And on uh, Warren Zevon's part, you get songs about headless mercenaries coming for revenge <laughs> and uh, murderers True. digging up their victims and werewolves and ripping out lungs and so forth. And yet, he would also move you, especially in this case. I mean, and. I can only. I, I'm glad I didn't know him personally, oh, because yeah. this song would be impossible would to listen me. to. I don't because even know. it was really. I mean, it moved me a lot hearing it now. Um, you know, just just the it's a petition to 
be remembered. You know, remember me. Think of me this time. Think of me that time. Oh my goodness! Even uh, when you're just doing little things around the house, things, I can't. You know? I can't. I just. Uh, yeah, it was like I said. <laughs> it was in a way. It was really uh, a bad thing for those his his personal friends and so forth because it's 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 going to really hurt him to hear that. But it's it's so his love too. comes through in oh, him yeah. too. You know, so it's uh, it was fabulous. Uh, glad to finally got to hear that because. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of those. It's one of the few that just kind of kills me. And there's so many songs about death. A couple honorable mentions are "Let It Be," "Fade to Black," "Tears in Heaven," "Angel" by Sarah McLaughlin, and "If Tomorrow Never Comes" by Garth Brooks. So oh, just a yeah, few. That's a, yeah, that's a good. One. I can't listen to yeah. that right. If I listen to it right now, I'll be out. <laughs> so those are just some, and that was Bird Banter. So that was quite a little emotional one this time. Uh, that takes us to something a little more upbeat, and that is the theme recap for this show. Well, you know how we always have uh, rags for nasal secretions, copious nasal secretions? Well, now <laughs> there might be copious eyeball secretions because of this uh, weepy subject matter here, but that was very touching, i got to say. Absolutely. So I guess now comes the time when I recap the theme. For those of you who can't remember for a couple of weeks, and uh, even though it says it on when you click on the show, we still have to tell you what it is. Why not? Yeah, you know, why not? You know? And um, uh, this theme, we're sticking with the Freebirds for a while. And this is basically acoustic. Anything yep. acoustic. Now, uh, it could be, uh, you think, MTV Unplugged. Okay, Nirvana, Paul McCartney, Clapton. She neglected to mention Kiss, one of the better MTV Unplugged. I didn't. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Purpose. Think about Dylan. Think about the Indigo Girls or Sean Colvin. And this is an interesting challenge. Do you have an unplugged version of your otherwise full band song? And I love those. This is the stripped-down version uh, of the you know the full band. Uh, excellent. Or are you just an artist who exclusively performs acoustically? We know one of those now, don't we? Uh, <laughs> we want to hear your music, is, was the cry that we put out, and we'll see what we came up with. But uh, thankfully, I get to uh, pass the buck over to the creator of new features to do one herself. <laughs> I know. I never do them first because you just set the tone so well but i thought well for this one i will do it this is new and it is called who will it be now will it is a bird and for this feature we name one member of a band and see if we can leave the other in a state of bewilderment so i'm going to name a member well i have three members of bands and i'm going to name them and see if you can tell me which band they are from this is great i don't have to prepare or anything no you do not and in this case, I'm going to say Paul Simononon. Paul Simonon, I believe, or, or however Simonanon, it's pronounced. Yes. Uh, he would, uh, do I have to know what instrument he plays? I believe he was the bass player from The Clash. <laughs> Very well played. Yeah. My goodness. Well, with and, uh, Topper uh, Hedden. And, uh, I don't know that band all that well, but I, I, I retained the members. Clearly. Yeah. And he was active from 1976 to 1986. And I like to include an interesting fact about these people. Always. Trivia rules. He didn't know how to play bass when the group first recorded. He learned how to play parts by rote from Jones. No way. He didn't know how to play bass at all. He just learned it note for note. So he just basically mimicked. That's crazy. So, well, you got one. Will you get the next one? You will get the next one. Dave Holland. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dave Holland? Um, I might Dave not get Holland. this one. Oh, I'm so confused. I thought uh, you would. Dave Holland. I'm probably going to kick myself, but nope. Who is it? Judas Priest drummer 
from 1979 to 1989. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of another guy because I have recently acquired some priest and uh, live and uh, one of these really, really big uh, essential things. And I read the notes, and I don't remember that name. It's weird. Hmm. Well, here might be one of the reasons why. He died in 2018, but that's not the reason. The interesting fact or disturbing fact is he was arrested in 2004 and served 10 years in prison for indecent assault of a minor with learning disabilities. Ten years? Well, I mean, considering the, now that you mentioned the crime, okay, I can have a problem with that. He denied all charges, but following him being found guilty, Iomi had his drum tracks removed and re-recorded by Jimmy Copley. So that's probably why it didn't come up. So that's very interesting. But he was the drummer for 10 years. Wow. So that's an interesting little tidbit. And this one's a gimme. This one's a gimme. I thought that was a gimme too. So Bobby Kimball. Oh, my God. Bobby Kimball? Bobby Kimball. Once again, you overestimate my knowledge. Um, um, I might kick myself or not, but... Uh, no, this is a former lead singer of Toto. Oh, no, I did not know lead that. Lead and backing vocals. Years active, 1977 to 84. The guy then, with the beard? Yes, he oh. was active 77 to 84, 1989, and 98 to 2008. And a sad but interesting fact about him is uh, in 2019, German media, which is where he lives in Germany... Reported that he is suffering from dementia. Oh, no. Uh, so, yes. I, I wonder if he, he must be the guy I'm thinking of. He used to be the mm-hmm. lead singer from Toto. Um, yeah. I only know uh, Porcaro and Lou Cather and uh, a couple of guys from that group, believe it or not. I'm not that familiar with the makeup. Mm, how enough. interesting. Yep. So, those were my three, and that was um, Who Will It Be Now? Well. Our little new feature. Kind of fun. Ordinarily, it'd be, it would be fun. I, it's like I'm dying to do one again because I just, I, ordinarily, I would at least be able to remember the name, you know? Yeah. And associate him with the band, but that two, two out of three got past me. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't know. I was trying to find some that uh, would be in your wheelhouse. So uh, now it is time for a song. My goodness. So we are to our first band. And that band is Georgia Train with a song called Diggers. They are from the UK and they are singer-songwriter. So we're going to whoosh and listen to this beautiful, I'm assuming, magical, amazing (laughs) acoustic song.
That was Diggers by Georgia Train. <sighs> okay, well, I know I keep telling my Bandcamp stories, but I'm living on Bandcamp when I'm listening to and trying to find new artists, as I mentioned. And uh, while listening to acoustic music, I just heard five seconds of this, and I it, it was arresting, it was beautiful, it was so many things. But I'm going to yield to you first and then share my thoughts. Well, uh, first of all, the, the name of the group really takes you for a surprise. I mean, Georgia Train, you expect it to be, you know, a country band or a southern rock band or something like that. And you can't ever think, wow, Midnight Train to Georgia, Georgia Train, is there a connection? Well, it has nothing, doesn't sound like any of those things because this is, uh, you know, I, re- I know I recently used the word spectral and I hate to use it again, but that's exactly what it sounds like. It is really like ghostly and ethereal. Uh, Kind of like Kate Bush, but even uh, even farther. I mean, there's a just a really gorgeous, haunting melody, and it it, it has the kind of theatricality and uh, harmonies, layered harmonies that I associate with a, a Japanese composer named Yuki Kajura. She writes soundtracks for like a whole bunch of animes and everything. And I know you're not into that, and I'm not either. I just had kids who were into that, stepkids who were into that, <clears throat> and it even has the the absolutely the soul-crushing, dramatic flair of Queen. Uh, and there's even a p- passage of that actually sounds quite a bit like March of the Black Queen. So it has all of that uh, stagey drama. And uh, it's just, it is totally arresting and definitely not the kind of thing you hear every day and nor the kind of thing you expect to hear from a group called Georgia Train. But God bless them, it's, a, it's an amazing song. Well, I almost didn't click on the song on the the artist at all because i was like georgia train it doesn't even sound right and then i was like just click on it and i was like oh my god and 
haunting is definitely the word that came to mind, um, but just completely different. It was very unique to me. Um, it was Bjork meets Kate Bush. There's yes, no there other. That's where go. it is. Um, and there's the the backing vocals that are the rhythm. Just oh, it was perfect. And they're throughout the entire song, and they never stop. It's just beautiful. And I know there's another version to this song, but why? Mm. I would never make another version of this amazing song. I like the swells, the the vocal swells she has, and then there's the ghostly vocalizations. They're not words, they're just vocalizations that happen. And just, she's incredibly talented, just a beautiful voice, and um, so many interesting qualities, but I mean, really, it is, and you know, I know you're saying that there's somebody else who it reminds you of, but for me, this is a first where I'm hearing something like this, so... I was so happy to stumble upon Georgia Train uh, for our acoustic show. And uh, you can find Georgia Train on Facebook at Georgia Train Music. And trust me, you're going to want to do some more digging. Huh? I know I will be. Diggers. And uh, thank you for not making me uh, remind you of that. Hmm. <laughs> All right, well, emboldened by the fact that she actually did a new feature, Christina has no qualms whatsoever about giving me another brand new feature to introduce. So, and this one is called I'm Still Standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stilt Standing. Oh, I'm so sorry, my glasses. Stilt Standing, that's right. I'm Stilt Standing. A stilt, of course, would be the bird here. I mean, (laughs) it's very easy when the new feature comes up. You say, okay, I'll just... Take the only word I don't understand, and that must be a bird. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know what the other ones are. That last thing is a bird. Okay. <laughs> I'm still standing, and for this feature, we discuss bands or artists that had near-death experiences and lived to tell their story. Well, there's no shortage of stories of rock stars who have come near to death or gone all the way, but we're looking for the near-death ones. they got to be still around, or they have to have at least come back to, uh, to Sally Forth and keep a stiff upper lip. And, you know, there are, again, there are no shortage of uh, faster cars and uh, more drugs and the outer limits of abuse of one's body and uh, recklessness and all sorts of behaviors that people have barely escaped the scythe of the Grim Reaper. And, but they were like a, a classic example. Well, drug overdoses, uh, heart-stopping drug overdoses mm-hmm. like Mr. Nikki Six, although we got a great song out of it, Kickstart My Heart. That's true. But rather than focus on the extremities of bad behavior, let's focus on another kind of extremities. Actual. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? I must. <laughs> I think I do. And that's the problem. I think I do. Good. <laughs> Shit. More tears this time, and this time it's not fire and rain. This time it's <laughs> extremities. You know. I'm well, so sorry, I stole your thunder. <laughs> no, I stole uh, your extremity. Extremities. But uh, what about other extremities? Do rock musicians really need to? Well, there are some cases where, let's say, a singer, for example, can get by without a leg or an arm or something like that. I suppose, uh, and even. The great Leslie West, my first guitar hero who recently passed on, was still playing with one leg. However, you would figure the loss of any actual limb 
would be the end of the career of a drummer. Okay, thank God. <laughs> yes, you presciently talked about this gentleman early this, early this evening, uh, and that's, in fact, who I was going to talk about. It was the segue that was just classic. I could not help. I'm so sorry. I think not dying of a drug overdose, overdose that you're, the fact that your body could actually bounce back from that with medical assistance, like uh, two shots of adrenaline, things like that. I don't know if that's an actual achievement of sorts. I think it's just like, you know, good fortune on your part, you no. know, dodging a bullet. But this story is ta- is one of incredible perseverance and triumph in the face of a terrible tragedy. And it concerns Mr. Rick Allen, the drummer of Def Leppard. Def Leppard was an absolutely huge phenomenon around this time, 1983, 1984. If you were around then, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But a terrible tragedy befell drummer Rick Allen. Uh, one afternoon, December 31st, wow, last day of the year, mm. 1984, involved in a car crash. His Corvette lost control, and he was ejected, and his left arm was severed. Now, I could find no reference to it. It's a rather gruesome detail, but I, I swear I read one time that he apparently walked up to a house with his arm and said, I'm a famous drummer and I've lost my arm. I don't know if that's true. I couldn't find any reference to that, but I did read that once. Maybe it's not true. I think one of the more astonishing parts of the story that people overlook is, how do you not bleed to death when you lose your arm? How Mm. does that happen? Right. Uh, I can understand him walking up to a door and saying something like that because people in shock say all kinds of things you wouldn't believe, you know. Do you Uh, know who I am? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I... Worked in an emergency room for a little while, and people in shock really say some incredible say some shit. shit. Yeah, they do. You True. see some strange things. But um, so uh, the doctors were able to actually reattach the arm, which is incredible. But it became infected, and it had to be amputated uh, again. Aye, aye. Uh, despite losing his arm, Alan soon decided to continue playing drums with Def Leppard and adopted a specially designed electronic drum kit. They took a hiatus from onstage performances until 1986 when they made their triumphant return at the Monsters of Rock Festival in Donington. Now, that must have been amazing. They were already huge with the album Pyromania. Mm-hmm. After their drummer lost his arm and had to adapt to a different method of playing on custom, uh, very technologically advanced machinery and uh, just the skill it would take to compensate like that on his part, the perseverance. Uh, they returned with an even bigger album. Hysteria was like 10 million copies or some insanity like that in the United States alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were absolutely huge. And it's just a really inspiring story. And it's one thing to say, oh, I didn't drop dead of uh, doing a shitload of drugs. And uh, you know, I was driving really, really fast and crashed and I survived and everything. I think it's incumbent on us to focus on a positive, uplifting story like this one. And Rick Allen's... Uh, Kind of a hero for that, uh, and I don't think I'm uh, going out on a limb to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did I say something? <laughs> it's a figure of speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so next up, we are going to introduce another artist and their acoustic song. In this case, it's Ashley Stevenson with a song called Freedom. She hails from Chicago, Illinois. She is a singer-songwriter, and we are going to whoosh away to listen to Freedom. Whoosh. Freedom. 
just finished listening to Ashley Stevenson Freedom, as did you, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what we heard. So, I do like the guitar rhythm. I'm a big guitar rhythm slapping thing where you're slapping the guitar for the rhythm. I really, really dig that, so I like that. Um, her, her vocal stylings is smooth. Vocal stylings are smooth and jazzy. Reminds me of the Lady of Ipanema. <laughs> Whenever I heard it, I thought that, and I thought I really love that vo- that vocal styling, and I like the I like the effect they have on her voice because it's like singing in an empty room, and it's perfect. She's so it. There's something very pure and beautiful about her voice. She does not oversing. She just gives the song exactly what it needs. And I'm actually not one who really likes the little like uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, like rain stick sound typically, but I thought it worked really well in this song. I thought it was a really nice song, very mellow, very chill. So I really enjoyed it. What do you say about Ashley Stevenson's Freedom? Well, I I really dug how it started with that upright bass so much. Mm-hmm. What sounded to me like an upright bass, it's probably a synthesizer and everybody's laughing sounds at Sounds like it to me, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 it sounds like it, but I'm, we're, I'm probably being fooled, too. <laughs> but, I mean, it was so uh, such a groovy 
coffee house jazz, uh, just one of those uh, beatnik things. Hard, very hard to believe it was written any time in the last thirty years. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you know old Joni Mitchell or Ricky Lee Jones or something like that. And mm. it was just, it just uh, kind of draws you in, and you're kind of just it, you're grooving with it. Yeah, you're grooving yeah. with it. It's like yeah, babe, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, you know, it's you feel very you know you nice. can feel a little goatee growing. You know, <laughs> I while you're listening that. to it. You know? I actually saw. I, it's weird. I took it off, but I had a beret on. It, yeah, exactly. It was yeah. so weird, and I said stuff like "groovy baby." That's right. Yeah, very weird. The Deadbeat Club. It was awesome. <laughs> it was very cool. I, no. I, no, it was a beautiful it song. It was very, uh, very cool well done, song. Ashley. Thank you. And you can find her at, uh, well, you can find her on Facebook at A-S-H-S-L-I-M Stevenson, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. Definitely look her up. She's got lots of really beautiful music. And uh, you will not be sorry. Hmm. That's the word on the street. <laughs> So now, oh, where's the love, dude? Okay, now you can put it down. There. I couldn't that see. Was in, that was the rolling crochet and couldn't shit. Couldn't see. <laughs> well, I was trying to your so encroachy on me. <laughs> you no, that's what I'm saying. I totally own it was me that was. I was like, oh my god. All right, so that leads me to a feature that was new when David did it, but is no longer new. But it's my first time, and it is keep your ayas on the kids. And yes, an aya is a bird. Process of elimination. (laughs) (laughs) For this feature, we discuss the kids following in the footsteps of their rock star parents. Now, not a lot of people would have thought of this one, but I really have an affinity for this particular artist. The child is Jacob Dylan, and the parent is Bob Dylan. And the child was of the wild, oh, I'm sorry, of the Wallflowers. Jacob Dylan did the beautiful band in the 90s called the Wallflowers. And uh, they were popular in the 90s with hits like One Headlight and Sixth Avenue Heartache. They continue to release albums since 1992, um, but none have matched that success because it was just a runaway. But his voice, oh, it's just smooth and beautiful and soft. Really? And sweet. I absolutely love his voice, wow. and uh, that's funny because you know you've never been a big fan of Dad's voice. Yeah, it, they could not have fallen further from the tree. Yeah, because wow. he actually has a nice voice. Um, and Rami Jaffe, keyboardist for the Wallflowers, left the band in 2013 and has since been recording and touring with the Foo Fighters. So um, very interesting because that the in their heyday, the Wallflowers were huge. So. That just also tells you the talent in that band. There's so much talent in that band. And he continues, he being Jacob Dylan, continues to tour on his own um, and doing a solo project. And he is certainly in the shadow of his legendary father, despite his refusal to invoke his name. He does. He did not mention that he was a child of Bob Dylan for a long time because he wanted to stand on his own merits. Yeah. People assume that they must have a strained relationship, and they actually have a great relationship. So there's no issue between father and son. In fact, he shared that his father was very affectionate, and he never missed a Little League game. And he kept every home run ball that that Jacob ever hit. Aww. So he knows that uh, he isn't the only one who's awed by the long shadow that his father's genius has cast. Uh, ge- his father's genius has cast. He said, look, he's the best at what I do. You know, and, and I mean, it was good for, for Jacob that, you know, he his 
big first popularity was in a band mm-hmm. because the band having a band name is totally different from being a Dylan, you know. True. So I mean, it, it takes the shadow thing. I mean, a lot of people might not have even a lot of like uh, young things and tender probably like the wildflowers and didn't even know who his dad was. They didn't. You yeah. Know? So and he um, doesn't look like his father, which is good because that's got to help with that whole shadow thing. You know, Rocky Balboa's kid had it. Everybody has it. Uh, so. Yeah, and you know, I think the the thing that's unfortunate is the '90s like flash in the pan thing. You know, '90s came out with a lot of like, uh, oh god, <laughs> came out with a lot of you know poppy, uh, alternative, rocky stuff that was really palatable and really accessible and did really well. But then once the '90s ended or the '90s started to come to an end, there was no more success for those bands. And I do think because the music industry started to change then. And with the change of the music industry, you started to see all of that money in that was placed into promoting those artists go away. So everything started to kind of crumble. Now, when the Wallflowers came out, they were all over MTV. They were always on the news. They were, you know, everything was Wallflowers. So you knew about them. They were on the radio every second. Yeah. I mean, you could not hear one headlight like <laughs> any less than like a dozen times a day. On any, I'd probably like, even pop, know it if I heard it. Probably yeah. with any like FM station, you just it was always on. So I'm glad that even if they don't have that level of success, that they at least were remembered for that, and that people will look them up and say, "Oh, well, shoot, you had the success with Wallflowers. Now I would definitely want to continue to follow you and listen to your solo stuff because if not, he would just be one of us, right? Yeah, because he a won't lot invoke of... his father's name. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, once you've been in a band like that and you do go solo, people know it's you. Yeah, if not absolutely everybody, but you do get a lot of the fans going with you. But uh, it, it is good he started in a band, and somehow I, I probably know a couple of the tunes, and they probably just got. Un, uh, uninspiring titles or titles that don't connect necessarily, but I don't remember any of them offhand. Hmm. But I do remember thinking once, yeah, these guys are good, but that was it. Yeah, so. <laughs> totally missed that era. I was doing such uh, consequential things, believe me. Well, let's just do a quick whoosh for a second just so you can hear one headlight. All right, so there was your indoctrination. Um, what do you, What say you about the Wallflowers? Yeah, I remember hearing the stuff now. I remember the basic sound. Honestly, to me, it's it's kind of kid music. I mean, it's it just uh, there's something about the structure of it I just don't like. Not a big fan of that of his voice on the one song I heard. He sounds a little bit too much like Springsteen. But, he sounds um, nothing like Springsteen. I, I, perception. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was what to okay. Tell you. They probably got a lot of great songs. That one was. That that could be one of those songs that is elevated by its surroundings. I mean, you put it in the context of a bunch of really, really strong songs, and something like that is just what you need. But I didn't. If, if that's um, what um, the band sounds like, I'm, I'm not really, really that sorry. I just have to go. You like the fucking Spice Girls, but you can't like this band. There's something about that band you don't like. I just I. Spice Girls got melodies. Spice Girls, you know. That was a melody. Eh, I don't know. Not my kind of. Not my bag, baby. It was not mm-hmm. my bag, baby. Hmm. Very disappointing. Also concerning the Springsteen reference. I'm I, not really understanding. A couple of times what you're he, he just about. sounded like that. I was like, no, oh, he no. doesn't. Like, Springsteen screams and yodels, and it's not right. Yeah, I'm semi-traumatized hmm. not only from seeing a headless guitar the other day, but I also heard uh, Bruce Springsteen sing "Highway to Hell" today. So you know, hmm. it's you know, been tough. Anyway, so um, those of us that have '90s taste like the Wallflowers. And like Jacob Dylan's voice, and I am one of them. And I was listening to some of his solo stuff, and I really do like it. 
It's uh, it's definitely not like his father, but he also has a really great gift for lyrics, which is not surprising since, you know, his father has that gift as well. So while he falls further from the tree, um, which is music to my ears, literally, um, he is the son of the famous legendary Bob Dylan. Uh, so you got to keep your eyes on this kid because Jacob Dylan continues to do great things despite David's poor taste in music. So, <laughs> yeah, few uh, few offspring have achieved that level of success. He, they what? were huge. There's no question about it. Yeah. I don't. Or is, is that true though? I don't know, that spring to mind immediately. So oh, that that's kind true. Of I don't have anything that spring yeah, to mind. There you go. At least '90s music. David has great taste in music, but I'm not sure if it I, extends uh, to the '90s. I, t- I kind of blanked out, and and the stuff that most of the stuff that I've heard from that era that I missed the first time, I don't like anyway. So, hmm. but uh, there's some there's some great stuff there. So keep your eyes on the kids again. I say we've gone from uh, Eddie Van Halen to Bob Dylan, and who knows who might turn up next? Who knows what's next? There are Except so many. Except a song. There is a song. Well, great segue. Well played. So, the next artist we are going to listen to, at just continuing this amazing acoustic journey, is Daniel Senna, with a song called Like a Lion, Sing Until Forever. And this gentleman hails from Boston, Massachusetts, again, another singer-songwriter. So, let's take a moment to listen to Daniel Senna.
Okay, we just listened to Daniel Senna, Like a Lion, sing Until Forever. So, David, what are your thoughts? Well, I really, it's, uh, I really, yeah, yeah, uh, we should use that sound iron, I like the, and then an iron. And then an iron, that's that. What the fuck was, <laughs> the hell was I trying to say there? I should go back and listen just to find out. I don't know where it came from. I don't either. It was yeah. awesome. Well, I really dug the the jangly sixth. Okay, <laughs> it's late, baby. Yeah. Hi. Right, well, I really dug the jangly sixties kind of birds like guitar, which mind blown. Uh, up until about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I thought that the birds did that first, and they actually uh. copped that from the Beatles. You know. So it's pretty awesome. Anyway, but I dug that, and uh, you know, you said something. You slipped something. Uh, I did off the air about what uh, it sounded like to you. You know who it sounded like was singing this? Joe Walsh. For some reason, it sounds like a Joe Walsh doing the vocal on this, and he does this kind of stuff too. He's a very eclectic songwriter, and uh, just I, I just thought that was uh, Joe Walsh. I, life's been good to me, Joe Walsh. Yeah, yeah, mm, absolutely. Okay. The vocal, absolutely. Uh, it had a, an amazing dreamlike quality, and uh, it, it it really did kind of draw you in. I just don't recommend if you're like driving home from work at like four o'clock in the morning, you might not want to play this because it's very relaxing, it's very uh, stimulating in a way. But it uh, it is very it's a very beautiful chill out song. So uh, uh, good work from uh, Daniel Senna. What do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that he sounds like Bon Jovi unplugged, though. That's what I got from him, and I liked it. I don't hear the Joe Walsh, but I, it's because I Joe Walsh really can't sing, and this guy actually can sing. Um, I like the harmonies. I think they're well placed. They weren't there weren't too many, there weren't too little. I like the way that they were kind of interspersed. I thought it was simple, but it was powerful. Um, I don't understand the lyrics entirely, but um, it's very interesting. I was sad that he waited to do the falsetto until the end because I really liked the falsetto and I recommend more falsetto. It was really, really nice. But I liked this song when I heard it. I really was surprised to have that rock of vocal over this and I really liked it. It was really fun for me. And I, I just, I hear Bon Jovi, young Bon Jovi singing in all his little glory with all his vibrato just singing his heart out. And that's what I heard. So Maybe I really even liked it. a little it. you too? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, Daniel Senna, I was really excited about him. Glad we got to bring him uh, to you on this show. And you can find him on Facebook at Daniel Senna Music. And that is S-E-N-A, Daniel Senna Music. Hmm, I think it is your turn to do something. Uh, this is uh, starting to be a pattern here. and mm. uh, This is highly irregular. And Whoops. We may Sorry have to, about uh, that. Address this through channels here. Okay. But um, talk it's to a, the head of everything. See what he she says. We'll, we'll run that up. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the the grievance committee. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, this is a recently added but uh, very uh, very cool feature called "It Was Mina." And for this feature, we discuss songwriters of some of the biggest hits not written by the artist or band. The unsung heroes of popular music. Now, the the writer might have recorded the song themselves, but we really know it from somebody else in exactly. most of these cases, or right. uh, equally, if not. And, uh, well, I was looking up this uh, subject matter, and you come across a lot of names recurring, like Pharrell Williams. Oh, yeah. T- uh, turns up on a lot of things. Uh, CeeLo Green, mm-hmm. Sia, 
Oh, Ed Sheeran, yeah. not a fan of his vocals at all, but as a songwriter, I'm not even sure about that either, but he certainly pops up. He certainly has a lot of credits. But going back to the Stone Age, as we are wont to do, um, everybody knows Mr. Neil Diamond, and mm. he's uh, responsible for a number of hits for others, whether he did them himself or not, mm. like um, from... The uh, Pulp Fiction, Urge Overkill, uh, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Yes. Uh, and uh, we talked uh, early on another episode of UB40, Red Red Wine, mm-hmm. and uh, that he actually loved that one. And a double header for the Monkees. And a hit single that totally defined early Deep Purple, Kentucky Woman. Wow. I mean, pre-Ian Gillen. Remember we wow. talked about the Deep Purple vocalists? Yes. Uh, uh, so yeah, his uh, his uh, pen has been everywhere, and uh, those are like I said, definitive of those bands at those times. So I was wondering, of those songs that you just mentioned, how many did he originally like do, or how many did he just write and never record himself? I think he probably recorded most of them. I don't know. I know he did Kentucky Woman. Okay, I and know of he, course, yeah. uh, uh, girl, girl, you'll, you'll be, be a, a woman, woman soon, soon. definitely. Yeah. And I just um, wasn't familiar with the other ones, so that's why I was like. I didn't know if he recorded them or if he just wrote them and gave them to somebody else. Well, the the two monkeys songs are so monkeys. He might. I mean, if he recorded them themselves, they were not singles or hits or anything like that. Maybe just demos. Yeah, or maybe they're just on an album someplace. Yeah, which is usually you'll find that. But uh, they were pretty much uh, the monkeys owned those songs. Hmm. Um, So I don't think he even tried to put them out there because heaven knows he had uh, plenty of others. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, incredible writer and uh, entertainer. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I like Neil Diamond, but I didn't know he wrote so many songs that other people did. I know people cover him. I definitely was familiar with the Urge Overkill. Yeah. Um, I think I probably like Neil Diamond's better, but I did enjoy it. It was fun to hear somebody else do it, especially in that context. It, but it, it really, it suits it them cool. so much. Yeah, you know? it does. It was very cool, but... Interesting. Well, that is really cool. That's why I like It Was Mina, because I like to know who's behind the songs. I mean, some of the biggest hits were not written by that person or even people in their circle. Oh, I, I love credits. I love to know who wrote what. I know what, you do. You know, and uh, it's always like, drives me crazy when I miss one. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I know. How did I not know that? <laughs> but um, so It Was Mina once again. And uh, does that actually bring us to another song that was... Uh, not uh, Neil Diamond's, but their own. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's right. Sam Garrett with The Dance and the Wonder. This particular gentleman is from Hawaii. And again, I know this is surprising, but this is another singer-songwriter. So let's go ahead and whoosh away and listen to Sam Garrett.
are mirrors reflecting the colors and lessons that are easy to bury and just walk away with the shame. Oh, but I should have known that before I met you, that I'd manifest you and fall deep in love with your soul. I hope to the waters that flow that cleanse our great spirit and wash away all that is old from so long ago. And all that I do, and all that I do, I'll do it for you. And all that I do, and all that I do, I'll do it for you. Like wildflowers, you carry the sunshine and dance in the rain. You make friends into lovers and run with the wolves far away. What a wonderful place! An endearing endeavor. We never said never. Don't wait on the weather to change. Be brave. Never mind what they say. We spent too long pretending. Now the story is ending. A new moon is guiding our way. And babe, sail to Santa Fe. We'll plant seeds in the garden. The journey is starting. Let the wind blow us into our fate. And all that I do, and all that I do, I'll do it for you. And all that I. That are winding and secrets we're finding the same kind. Worlds collide, the magic and thunder, the dance and the wonder. Awake mind, hands bind. This forever journey, how you come to learn me. It's our time to make fire. The child and the laughter. Chapter with you, and all that I do, and all that I do, I'll do it for you. And all that I do, and all that I. 
That was Sam Garrett with The Dance and The Wonder. And his voice just has such a beautiful, gorgeous tone. I just, I love it. This song just makes me smile. It just does. Yeah, the uh, first of all, I got to hand it to him. I thought, okay, with the title like The Dance and The Wonder, it those line that line can't be actually in there because how would you fit that into a song but it's so done so beautifully the dance in the wonder excellent uh, i love well i love the ukuleles and vibes or lock and spiel oh. or whatever it is I dabbled in that myself uh it was just uh it was beautiful but it was really hawaiian but it had a, almost a kind of a reggae feel a reggae flow to it so it was like the hawaiian islands and jamaica just kind of Floated next to each other, and uh, that's that's the kind of music they would make together. And uh, about the vocal, there were times when it was reminiscent of Cat Stevens and others, uh, Paul Simon. I can hear and, that, you know. And I was saying, wow, it's like a, it's like a science genetic experiment of fusing the DNA of Paul Simon and Cat Stevens, and uh, you'd get something like that, and it was uh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, I. I um... <laughs> I really thought that the uke and the vocals, that's thats thats kind of something that always will get me. It always will make me smile. It always calms me down. Um, the lyrics are so sweet. And the stuff he says, I'm just that's swooning. True. I'm like, oh, swoon. Um, and the, it feels like a, a cool Hawaiian breeze. That's what I feel like. I was like, it just feels like I'm just in the right place at the right time. He's earnest and vulnerable in this, saying what he'll give and what he'll do, which is anything. And uh, the tambourine and the drums were really well-timed when they came in and then when they dropped back out again. So I really, really love this uh, tune by Sam Garrett. And you can find him on Facebook at Sam Garrett Music, and that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T. Okay, so our next feature is the much-acclaimed, much-anticipated relatively regular feature on the show called Various Songbirds Battle Royale. And for this feature, we name lines from songs and try to stump each other in a head-to-head battle. And we do lightning rounds these days, so uh, we don't leave each other much time or you much time to guess with us. So this time I start, it looks like, and uh, I'm going to start with one that I'm assuming you will know. Actually, I assume you'll know all of these. So are you ready? I am ready. Blue-eyed murder in a side-swiped dress. Change, nothing stays the same. And you hit the ground running unchained by the one and only Van Halen. That's correct. Nice, From nice. From 1981's Fair Warning. Oh, that's a, that's just classic uh, album, classic track. Unchained. One break <laughs> coming up. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to want a break. You're going to have to give me a break coming up oh if you don't get this God. one. I am rolling my eyes so far back to, in my head. I had to seize the cheese. You, you know? did. You had to. Seize the cheese. Seize All the right. Cheese. You'll get this one, I think. I, I know, I'm not supposed <laughs> to say you don't want to hear, but okay. Russian um, roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, if it's not rough, it isn't fun. I'll get him hot. Show him what I've got. Poker face, poker face, Lady Gaga. Did I lie? (laughs) You did not. And that was a great line because I I know that line well. Yeah, that's one of those ones that stands out, you know. So we'll see if you get this one. Are you ready? I'm ready. I wish I could scream out loud that I love you. I wish I could say to you, don't go. Uh Uh-oh. I knew I was sunk with the first line. Um... Ooh, I wish I, I wish I, what? Sorry. I wish I could scream out loud that I love you. I wish I could say to you, don't go. 
I'm going to kick it really hard. I'm going to kick my own keister very hard on this one, but uh, what is it? Don't turn around. Ace of Bass. Oh, okay. From oh, 1993's yeah. The Sign. Yeah, lyrically you got me on that one. Well, I don't sorry. know. Yeah. Lyrically I got you. I mean, you love Ace of Bass. Yeah, but I... I uh, yeah, that one, that one's, it was the sign itself, that would be something else, but, all right, let me see what we got here. Hmm. Okay. okay, here we go. Church on time terrifies me. Church on time makes me party. Church on time Bowie. puts my trust in <laughs> God, God and man. man. And what's God the song? David Bowie had a lot of songs. Don't believe in. Oops. Modern. Love. Well, you you knew it. You had. Yeah, it. I did. Yeah. I was good. I was just going to sing it, but correct the mundo, David Bowie. Modern yes, love. That was well played. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're doing good with the songs. Uh, we just take two things tonight, and we're doing good with the songs. Are you ready? I'm ready for one. For she's the mother of all men who counseled me so wisely. Then. What for she's the, the mother hell? of all men who counseled me so wisely. Then. I don't even think I'm going to kick myself over this one. I mm. totally defeat. Lady in Black, Uriah Heep. Oh, you see? Now there's From one. 1971 Salisbury. Uh, yep, there's one. I, I'm not that familiar with the Salisbury album. The three that I know what? really well. The four, actually. And, uh, yeah, the four albums that I know really well. And that one slid by me. I know the song that, I mean, to hear, but lyrically, no. famous song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was their biggest hit. One yeah, of their biggest hits. One of their biggest hits. Yeah, but uh, lyric-wise, you stumped me on that. It's too big. Wow, babe. that's really, I'm confused. Uh, where are the softballs, babe? Where are the that softballs? There, I thought they were Ace of Base and Uriah Heep, two of your faves. All right, well, here's I mean, one that uh, I think you're going to have to uh, no, no. Okay. I resolve to call her up a thousand times a day and, and ask her if she'll marry me, me in some, some old-fashioned old way. way. Okay, that's very nice that you know the line, but... <laughs> That's not the actual uh, object of the Every game, is it? Every thing she does is magic, the police. Thank you, thank you. Let's see? It's nice that you know that. <laughs> there nice. you go, okay. Okay, if you don't know this, I'm going to be very sad. I'm already sad, because I, 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 I'm playing, I'm, I'm pandering. Well, okay, uh, two, uh, two unlucky breaks, but I think I got this one. I can't sleep, and I lay, and I think the night is hot and black as ink. Oh, God, I need a drink of cool, cool rain. That would be Love, Rain, or Me by The Who. (laughs) Of 1973's Quadrophenia. Absolutely. Okay, well, I got one for you here. All right. That uh, I won't say anything because it would be kind of a hint. Uh, All right, here we go. And did you think this fool could never win? Well, look at me. I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love in a simple way. And if you need to know I am still standing, you just fade away. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I'm still standing? Oh, uh, John? <laughs> what would ever give you that idea? You know? <laughs> shit, shit, shit. Look at me. I'm coming back again. Yeah. Uh, one, one line too far. I'm still standing, yes. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that was a that was a literally a gimme. That was a, that was just demonstrating what not to do. You know? Okay, maybe I'll find another one then. All right, go ahead. I'll wait. All right then. Uh, in in the light of that debacle, I dug up another one. All right. Uh, I mean, so apparently, uh, it's not specifically laid out in the bylaws that you can't actually say the title of the song in your hint, but uh, it seems implicit. It was very helpful. Strongly implicit, yes. I think. Yeah. 
in the uh, in the spirit of the letter of the, law, of the uh, doctrine. Anyway, if you ever get annoyed, look at me. I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day. No way, dude. <laughs> no way. Do it again. If you ever get annoyed, look at me. I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day. Are we allowed to do more lines than that? Well, yeah. You can do whatever you want. Okay, yeah. I usually do, like, depending. Get a second-hand guitar. Chances are you'll go far if you get in with the right bunch of fellows. Wow. I got nothing. People see you having fun just a lying in the sun. And we'll be taking care of business. Fuck. You, you do know the song, right? Yeah, I just don't know the lyrics, apparently. Oh, oh but it's, 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 it's ubiquitous on the radio. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Damn. Uh, if you ever get annoyed, look at me. I'm self-employed. It's oh, just, now I yeah, can hear it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, hey, I mean. About time. Well, I, I lost two of mine, so. You know. How many did I lose? Uh, Three? Just one, I think. No. Oh, I thought I done them all wrong. Um, That's because you gave me softballs. I thought I was giving you softballs. You got yeah. You got Bowie, Gaga, the Police, and uh, I'm still I'm still standing because I because <laughs> I gave you the title. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, going the extra mile. You know. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was trying to pander. I did pander. Yeah. Oh, you totally I pandered, did. and I still I still I still boned it up. You know. Damn it. All right, so, well, we get to our last song of this particular show, and it is from a lady named Anna Paul Freeman, and the song is I've Been Here Before. She's from Seattle, Washington. What up, Seattle? See you soon. She is also a singer-songwriter, so let's take a couple of minutes to listen to Anna Paul Freeman. Whoosh. I've been here 
That was Anna Paul Freeman with I've Been Here Before. I'm no longer... It's still... I'm already singing it. It's so good. Sorry, go on. No, please. Oh, it was... uh, Well, the voice... I hate to to draw uh, comparisons, but seriously, it was very, very much like... Everything I love about what Joni Mitchell does, uh, it sounded like a lot vocally. And uh, that refrain there, the... uh, the arrangement is so everything is so emotionally compelling and the lyric it keeps coming back to that wonderful phrase uh it was uh, it was just beautiful uh, just a since spellbinding song it really was I even agree. at five o'clock in the morning you know <laughs> when i was listening to this and i first heard it i thought okay that's really pretty and then she got to the chorus and i yeah, thought oh my right? god it's so beautiful she has such vocal control it's insane. I mean, and then those little end-of-line flourishes she does that are so soulful and so jazzy. Yes. Oh, I just, she melts me, that that voice. And uh, it's um, it definitely sounds like a voice that has had a lot of experience and has learned um, by listening to probably some of her favorites, which I assume is probably Joni Mitchell um, and the like, and just... I mean, she's made it her own. Just beautiful. I could not get enough of it. I listened to this song a couple times, which I, I try not to do, but I could not help it. I had to hear it again. Very beautiful song. I just really love her. Uh, and I've since gone and listened to some more of her stuff, and it's it just is all very, very good. And you're, you're so right about the little flourishes. Like, I've been here before, and I'm no longer the same. Uh, 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 just, oh, just just absolutely fantastic. I love uh, that stuff. And, and, and as a singer who does that kind of stuff, I go, oh, my God, I love that. Oh, my God, I totally love that. Yes, that's perfect. Um, and it's just so soulful. I like that just little bit of soul. I mean, she sings it really straight and beautiful, but then just a little bit of soul to just, oh, just draw you in even further. You can find her on Facebook at Anna Paul Freeman Music, and that is A-N-N-A-P-A-L-F-R-E-E-M-A-N Music. All right, and the moving target of a feature we call Hell Yes or Oh Hell No. And for this feature, we consider bands, acts, and determine if we're in or out for them. Uh, we also ask you to weigh in. We want to know what your opinions are. And uh, we laid another great soul, funk, R&B, pop, rock group on you last time, the Commodores, the original uh, home of uh, Lionel Richie. And uh, as was the case with Earth, Wind, and Fire, the results are in, and it is pretty much unanimous. Hell Yes was 100%. No one dared to uh, besmirch their family name by associating them with a negative comment uh, about the Commodores or Morris Day in the Time. Don't ever say an unkind word about Morris Day in the Time. Now, I do think that if it would have been Lionel Richie, we would have seen more polarization. Ah, you think so? That's interesting. I do. I think it would be different. The Commodores are one thing, but Lionel Richie's another. So I do think we'd see something a little different there. And maybe in a future, uh, hell yes or oh hell no, we will explore that. But I, I'm not entirely surprised because the Commodores are kind of universal. It's like saying, oh, do you like Smokey Robinson and the Miracles? I mean, who's yeah, going to say no? Yeah, I don't see how uh, anyone no? can say a word again them, you know? I, I mean, mean, really. Even if you don't like Motown or R&B or anything, you go, I mean, it's good stuff. It's not my thing, but it's still well done. Yeah. So, um, they had some for everybody. And, you know, the 100% it, either all of our uh, sophisticated audience has really good taste or they fear your wrath for uh, <laughs> being 
being on the other side of your view. So they're, I'm not sure they they're just gambling. They okay, that. what do you think? What do you suppose Christina thinks about this? Okay, she likes him. I'll, we'll say hey, yes, because otherwise there'll be an, another inquisition like she did to uh, David. David. All right, but they say David deserved that. David deserved, yeah. yeah, David deserved that one. They say but like poor, you know they're thinking like poor guy. You know they're not. <laughs> they're not. That's, thinking that's that, not yeah. what they're thinking. So I just wanted to share the Commodores. I have been a fan for a long time of the Commodores, obviously, but the song that always kills me is Night Shift. Always, uh, always, always, always. There's nothing like that song. Some sweet those, sounds coming down. Oh, those voices together. They just make beautiful music, and they do this little temptation sort of thing. And Night Shift was after Lionel Richie had exited the group, so he wasn't the only magic. He didn't bring the magic. He was part of it, but they continued on, and they were amazing without him. But there's nothing like the Commodores, really. I mean, you think you know, you think Brick House and stuff, right? Yeah, Brick but, House was post Lionel Richie, wasn't it? Right, but yeah. there's so many more great songs. Oh, They're yeah. just a, an amazing funk band, just funky rock. You know, it just it's really good stuff. So I'm a huge Commodores fan, but I know this is not surprising to anybody who knows that I like Motown or R and V or anything like that, especially old school, but nothing like the Commodores, so And and did they not pick an awesome name or what? Come on. I mean it's it suggests, you Come know, on. position and you know, Seriously. I mean it is it is we're the Commodores. We you know? are the Commodores. I mean exactly. that is uh, they really nailed it with that. Well, anyway, next time on Hell Yes or Ooh, Hell No, we want to know what you think of Susie and the Banshees. Now, I have uh, – this is like a legendary band that I've heard legendary. some of, a little bit, but not nearly enough. Um, I have formed an opinion, which I will not share now, and I will study a great deal more for next time because that's how we do. And uh, so that's what we want to hear. Just uh, write to us and tell us where you fall on the – Susie and the Banshees debate. Not that it's a debate exactly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, something. If someone were saying, if the two guys were arguing, they're great, they suck. Which whose side would you be on? Yes, uh, whose side would you be on? So, all right, do that for us next time, and write to us wherever we we may be found. Okay, so now it's time for the new theme, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet and simple, David. Freebird, any genre. You That's literally it. cannot go wrong on you this cannot. one. You cannot. You send us anything. An absolute, uh, an idiot, imbecile, or moron uh, <laughs> with a 0 uh, to 75 IQ range, uh, as uh, designated by the American Psychiatric Association, I believe it was, <laughs> may participate in this because you don't have to You don't have to evaluate anything. No. Yeah. There's Any n- genre, free bird. There's no box. We've literally, yeah. there's no box. So send us what you have. Your new song. It's like the show. Old song. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> new song, old song, favorite song of yours. Send it in. We want it. We'll play it potentially. Um, you know, we only play five on shows, so send us your best, but send it. We want to have it. So Freebird, any genre. All right. And I guess that just leaves us the rub as well. We have a neat little blanket. Uh, the next offering. From us is a new episode of Winging It. Uh, enjoy our 15 to 45 minute show that covers one topic. No music, no features, no stinking badges, just mainstream music, <laughs> chat, <laughs> opinions, and uh, uproarious laughter. Let that uh, suggestion uh, subconsciously work on you in the meantime. It, it, it's not a suggestion. It is a fact. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. it's happening. Your boys are coming at you every single week, and you can subscribe to our feed at both on air. That's B-O-A-F on air dot podbean, like it sounds, dot com, both on air dot podbean dot com, and enable notifications so you never miss a show or subscribe and listen on your favorite platform. 
And remember that we cannot grow our flock without you. Got to spread the word. Please share us on your Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, etc. feeds. Uh, talk about us around the actual or virtual water coolers. Gossip, if if necessary. Hey, if bring necessary. it. You know, I mean, just, hey, we're down. I'm just, okay to be the focal point of some gossip if it's going to grow our flock. Of, uh, the subject of salacious rumors, mm. which uh, once uh, you can uh, cast any aspersions against us, and uh, once the audience is hooked and they come in and listen, they will uh, our sterling character will shine right through. Of course, and they will know that that part wasn't true, but they've been led to uh, a show that they enjoy. So Correct, exactly. All's well that ends well, and <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note, I guess that only leaves for you to say, let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.